Welcome to War Room, the official podcast of the U.S. Army War College Online Journal, graciously supported by the Army War College Foundation. Please join the conversation at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. We hope you enjoy the program. Make sure not to miss a single podcast and subscribe to A Better Peace, the War Room podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite subscription service. The views expressed in this presentation are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect those of the U.S. Army War College, U.S. Army, or Department of Defense. Welcome to War Room, Mill Spouse Edition, Their Mission, Our Story, a limited-run series on a better peace that addresses the issues that military families face while they support their soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, Guardians, and Coasties. My name is Linda. I'm a Navy wife with the survival skills to raise two children, move seven times, and thrive during multiple deployments, and somehow still find time to volunteer. My co-host navigating these stories with me is Faith. Faith is an Army wife who works outside the home as a doula and gives her time away as a perpetual, unprofessional volunteer. We know this isn't War Room's normal fare, but we're confident that the topics featured will highlight our unique military culture. Expect the conversations to be honest, the stories to be impactful, and the resources to help the family's mission. Hello, this is Faith Bomar with Mill Spouse Edition. And I'm Linda Lind. Welcome to our story. We are your co-hosts for this special series. Today, we will talk about transitioning to new schools for each PCS and spouse educational opportunities. Following PCS orders, most military families will start looking at schools their children could potentially attend at a new duty station. We will dive into opportunities for spouses looking to further their education as well. Where do we start when looking for ourselves? Today we are joined by my neighbor and friend and the incredible Michelle Sumter. Michelle is an Army spouse with three children who have attended a total of 21 schools over 19 years through her own consulting company. She currently coaches new principals in multiple states across our great nation. She has served in military-connected schools as a principal at all levels, a director of student services, and a community college director. She is currently pursuing a doctorate in educational administration and leadership. She enjoys sharing her knowledge of school systems and transitioning students with her military friends, and fortunately for us, all of you today. So, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. I know you're out of state as we speak from where we're recording right now, but (laughs) I'm going to... dive right in because I want to soak up all of your incredible knowledge. So what are the main things that you believe are most important for spouses to understand and prepare for prior to the PCS season in regards to schools? Well, I think the first thing that uh, spouses need to do is decide where they're going to live because that determines what schools will be available to your children. And so once they've gone uh, ahead of time and determined what neighborhood they're going to settle roots down on, Uh they will certainly then choose the school. They'll be able to choose what schools they're looking for. So uh, the first thing is uh, find out about zoning. Uh, because you need to know if you live on the side of the street that will go to the school that you're hoping your child gets to attend. Um, And that's very important because um, oftentimes as military 
families, we don't know the lines for zoning. Yeah. So right. you, you would you would contact the school district that you want to go to. It's blurry at best, I think, when we're when looking, and um, you can have one family on one side of the street go to a different school, and you know, from the other side Absolutely. of the street, which is yep. Crazy, crazy, you know, which is crazy and overwhelming. Um, Happened a lot. So, is there anything that's consistent with zoning, though, that we should know ahead of time, or is it just a matter of, like you said, Uh, there are some consistencies with zoning. For example, when you're looking at a home that you're going to purchase or to rent, um, usually at the bottom of the advertisement for the house, it'll tell you exactly what school it's zoned for. But sometimes, every now in the blue moon, uh, the schools will rezone at the end of a few years. And in those cases, I still believe it's best for us to go and double check to make sure our kid is at the school that we want them to go to. Um, but if you're if you're ever wondering, you can simply call the superintendent's office and they would put you in touch with um, student services and they can tell you with ease what you're at, where your address is assigned to. Okay. Doesn't have to be okay. a mystery to it if you... No mystery. Pick up the phone, phone, give a call, and they'll tell you your address is zoned for this school. Okay. Well, let's say that I found the school my child is going to be going to. Um, What are some of the things that we should do in regards to registration ahead of time? It used to be the the packets, right? The ultimate (laughs) huge packets. And we were registering four at a time for our household. (laughs) And you'd bring home the packets and look at each other and hand each other a pen. And (laughs) what what are some ways now to prepare for that? So that's a great question. The first thing parents should do is get on the internet and uh, click on about us or the registration tab, and you should be able to start an online registration. And what's so sweet now, Faith, is that you no longer have to do four packets or (laughs) click on the the, uh, registration tab four times because it will allow you to put the names of your students in just about everywhere that I've been. And I've been in six school districts. Um, You can actually type one student's name in and it'll ask you, do you have other children? And you can actually click the button to add the children and the ages and it'll zone them for you and tell you what schools they go to. So it makes it very easy. Now the online process I've found, it takes about, um, 30 minutes to an hour. But if parents are smart, they will have the birth certificate ready and already scanned. They will have shot records ready and already scanned. They will have gone to the health department at the um, or the hospital on post mm-hmm. and they will get a physical for their stu- for their child for the state that they're going to and they will have that scanned in. Um, and that's as simple as contacting the, the post where you're going, getting um, a copy of the physical, the school physical form or the uh-huh. sports physical uh-huh. form uh-huh. emailed to you. And you take that with you to your current location's doctor. So, and then they'll fill that out. Uh, so when you say scanned in, would it behoove us, if you will, to have all of these documents in digits on our computer all of the time. Would that be something yes. that you, okay, would recommend? So, so absolutely. Um, because we've moved so many times with my children, we have the little black binder that oh, probably yeah, yeah. everybody has. The me book, the right? The, or yes. the PCS yes. book. With yeah. all, the, all the pieces. And it comes with you in the car. <laughs> you, you hand know? carry yep. into the restaurants <laughs> right. and out of the restaurants right. during your journey. <laughs> 
the smartest thing to do now is to take that to Staples, take everything out of it, have them scan it in and put it on the email address that you'll have until you die. Yeah. Right. And, and have mm-hmm. it saved as important documents or put it in a, in your Google drive. Mm-hmm. That way it will be there for till the end of time. But all of those things no longer need to be just carried around in your black binder with sheet protectors. <laughs> it needs to be on digits, take it to Staples, get everything scanned in and make sure you have it at your fingertips because those registration packets can be expedited if you have those things. And if your students have um, any special needs and they have IEPs or 504s, that too needs to be ready to be uploaded so that they can act on those a lot quicker. I already feel so far behind in this moment. I'm going to ask Linda (laughs) to ask a question because I'm taking notes. So we've talked about deciding where you're going to live, but I'm going to backtrack us just a little bit because I feel like a lot of us in the process of trying to decide where we're going to live are kind of doing both things at once. We're deciding where we're going to live and we're looking at school reviews at the same time to help us decide, Uh. okay, I like this neighborhood. Uh, Not so much this neighborhood. I don't know what to do. So when we're doing that, I don't know about anybody else, but I know for myself, I am Googling We're schools Googling left the schools. and right. Yep. I'm looking at their websites. I'm looking at all the different reviews. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering from the school side, because you have worked with administrators. So from their side of point of view, how much weight should I be putting in these reviews that I'm reading online? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> okay. So... You know, there are various um, review school review sites, and we won't name them, but you know the names very well, yeah. and people utilize them. But I always caution people to use state, the State Department's webpage, the State Department of Education's webpage. There, you will find an unbiased review of oh. the school itself. You will get demographic information about the school. Because demographics is how they um, uh, how they assign uh, money to the schools and pay per per student. So the State Department it has to track that information because schools get money in three ways: either the federal funds, state funds, and local tax levy funds. So all of the information that's needed in order in order to keep schools running financially is going to be on that website. You will get, um, you'll find out zoning information there. You will find out about test scores for the last five years. Um, you will find out about highly qual- teachers that are highly qualified or not in that school. Those things you can't find on those random websites that parents look at that um, they take as the Bible. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. At the bottom of Zillow, right? We're all looking right. at the, well, this school those, those is websites. two out of right. 10. It's like, well, right. now what do we do? Right. right. So you'll see the you'll see those rankings um, in a more um, dedicated and authentic measurement on a state's website because the school districts have to officially report their information and data back to the state. And the state regulates those things. You couldn't find more accurate information than if you were to go to the state. 
Also, the state doesn't take reviews from people who are happy or disgruntled. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. gives you the facts. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and you and I both know people usually only put information on those websites when they're frustrated. It's rare that they go there and give accolades. Yeah. And so right. you're, I, I really want to underscore the importance of going to the state's website to find out everything you want to know about a school and you will be able to see that school's ranking in the state. Okay. Well spoke. Well spoke. I don't know that I've ever used a state's website and now that's going to be my new uh, baseline. Oh, absolutely. Start there. Yeah, that should always be the go-to. Always. Yeah. All right. Michelle, can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about how parents of high schoolers and middle schoolers should prepare for PCSing? It seems different. It feels different than just with the elementary school. Do you have any tips and tricks? We're headed into a third high school for uh, my second born and into high school soon for my third born. So this is close to home for me. All right. So first things first, let's shoot straight to high school. For a high school, uh, the parent of a high school student, that parent needs to first pick up the phone and call the counselor at that school, the school where your child will, will be attending. Find out how many credits your child needs to graduate. Because that is the most important piece of information. Okay. Once you find out how many credits the child needs to graduate, then you can you can forward an unofficial transcript of your child at that moment. So if they're in third quarter, when we find out that we're going to PCS, you would um, maybe uh, print off an unofficial transcript from whatever site they use for managing um, grades and uh, teacher comments and classes. You would then forward that to the um, the counselor via email. Let them look at how many credits your child has and assess how many Englishes, math, sciences, um, foreign languages, those kinds of things are needed at the school that they're about to attend. Okay. Then they can give you an accurate picture of what your child needs. They could say, hey, in our state, you need 25 credits to graduate. In our state, you need 20 credits to graduate. So, and you'll need these specific classes and these tests. And then once you you give the counselor that information, they can give you a better picture of what your what classes your child needs to select moving forward. But it is a very early call. As soon as you know you're PCSing, as soon as you figure out what school district you're gonna you're going to um, you want them to go into, even if you haven't found a house there yet, okay. you, you need to okay. call that uh, counselor and exchange the information that he or she is requesting, so that they can tell you what your child's trajectory is toward graduation, and then you start making um, uh, choices about classes and um, things like that. Now, as far as sports and clubs. It's early to first jump in the first bandwagon, usually around fourth quarter. I used to be a high school principal Mm -hmm. and middle school and elementary. Mm -hmm. So at around the beginning of fourth quarter is when we start setting the dates for those summer practices for sports. And so if you're able to get there early and your child is very active in sports or maybe just wants to try it for the first time, you can get them into those summer summer um, sessions. But if you don't call early, mm-hmm. you're go- your child's going to miss all of those summer sessions, which all high schools do nowadays, and they will just be able to come into the session when they get there. It would be important to ask them too, do you have any spaces left available on your team for military kids? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Because, right. Yeah. I always left a spot for my military kids because I was a military spouse. Yeah. That doesn't always happen though. 
Yeah, it's yes. a consideration so, that um, yes, I wish that was wider. <laughs> yeah, I wish people understood better. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is clubs. So if your student was at a high school for three years and they were the student government president, and now they're going to be a senior at a brand new high school and nobody knows them. And you guys, you know, we know that well, right? Because mm-hmm. I moved my son his senior year and my son now is at his third high school. He will graduate from his fourth high school. Um, so we, we've done this a lot. Um, so it's important to find out when those clubs are going to do their elections and if there will be spaces left available for maybe your daughter or son won't be the, be able to be the student government president for their senior year, but perhaps they can still be on the board somehow. Mm-hmm. So you need to ask about Some those form things. Some of class council or, yeah. Yes. Yes. Do you have any special tips for the middle school kids? Because that's where I'm headed. Right. So, um, at, so as a former middle school principal, I always left spots, spaces for students, but that doesn't always happen. In middle school, there are fewer offerings for high school high school um, accredited classes, right? So in some middle schools, you can get foreign languages or advanced English or algebra one, algebra two, and geometry, um, but most schools do not. So again, parents need to get on the phone, call that school district early, um, at least um, at beginning of fourth quarter, or as soon as you know that your child is moving and ask first, what advanced level courses do you have if that's something that your child's interested in? And if they were in them before, you definitely need to find out what's the next level to that um, and ask, um, how do kids get placed in it? Um, mm-hmm. Are you, do you have any vacancies testing, for military? Special mm-hmm. testing yeah. that needs to be done ahead of time. Right. I have found that for a lot of the, um, we had never heard of a magnet program or magnet school right. before we moved to mm-hmm. the South. And so that was a whole right. education. Um, in fact, some of our listeners might not even know what that is. Can you explain a, uh, what a magnet school or magnet program is? Magnet schools are like specialty schools. Oftentimes they're focused on a specific um, content area. For example, in South Carolina, in the Columbia area near Fort Jackson, they have magnet schools or schools of choice. You can go to a uh, health sciences high school, or you can go to a fine arts high school, or you can go to a, a technology high school, engineering high school. Um, you can go to arts in the basic curriculum elementary school. So they have specific content areas um, in which your student might want to specialize you know, for lack of a better no, word. No, that's good. And oftentimes and so, test to get into as well. That was the, yeah. the challenge we faced when moving from overseas, um, mm-hmm. the juggle of the time dis- difference, and then mm-hmm. finding that she um, had missed the testing in period for one of the magnet programs, and there was not currently an accommodation for incoming military families. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, this is your heart gets involved as well, right? And and that, that is, that is why we, we as um, educators can't underscore more the importance of calling ahead. Like the minute you know, yep. you have to get on the phone because you're, you could ensure that your child gets that opportunity. Um, but when we wait to the last minute, sometimes they miss out on the opportunity just because we didn't pursue it. So um, I always tell people, call early. You know, if you know in January, call in January. 
If you know in the beginning yeah. of May, call on, call in the beginning of May. I'm going to so. go ahead and sing the praises now. And you can as well, I, I hope to join the choir in this, of school liaison officers. So many parents don't understand the importance of utilizing school liaison officers and how they can be the bridge, especially for incoming military families, between the families and the, the school of choice. So it, it's important to remember that school liaison officers work very closely with the school district. So they should be able to tell you um, information about the schools, what they offer, what they don't offer, um, how quickly you need to register for certain things. Um, but what they can't do is offer reviews or um, tell you which school you should choose. Yeah. And so oftentimes yeah. military members want to know, well, which one is the best school? <laughs> and school liaison officers You're- are all was very careful. Yeah, being pain, painted to, into to, a corner. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah. No, no. But they, they can be very helpful. And I always tell people, if you really want to know what's going on in a school, call the school district's office and speak to the, um, the Department of Student Services. They can tell you everything you need to know about the school and they have the information at hand. So this next part is a part that I'm really excited about personally for myself, because I am actually looking into extending my own education when we okay. move um, for our next duty station. So what types of opportunities exist for spouses looking to advance their education while at a new duty location? Oh, there's so many wonderful opportunities for us. So um, you can go to community colleges, um, universities that are right on post as well, and some that are off. Um, there are lots of trainings uh, and certificated programs um, that you can do as a military spouse once you come to a new post if there are offerings there. So what I always tell people to do is as soon as you get settled, you get your bags unpacked, your children are in school, and you're ready to rock and roll, one morning get up and go over to the uh, education center and ask what programs first are free to spouses. Um, I opened Barton Community College at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas back in 2012. I didn't know that I was opening a community college that would provide free associate's degrees and free courses to any military connected member. Anybody with a military ID could come into Barton, register with us and get classes for free. We, we were able to give many people, people earned many associate's degrees. And I think at that time, there may have been up to 12 different degrees that they could earn. Um, and it was free of charge. Um, books and all, everything Incredible. was free. Hey, Michelle. Tell us more about the opportunities for spouses in utilizing the GI Bill. So with regards to spouses using the the service members GI Bill, you first would have to go down to the education office and meet with the counselor there to find out what's left in the GI Bill fund to be utilized. The next thing, once you find that out, your spouse can transfer, if they wish, those funds to you at certain times, okay? And so case in point, my husband and I were at Fort uh, Leonard Wood, Missouri, and I wanted to get into the doctoral 
program that I'm in now. He took me down there. We met with a counselor. He said, actually, you have this many months left of the GI Bill. And so you can transfer to your uh, wife. And what he did is he put us online and he walked us through the paperwork. Soon as that was done, I applied to the school that I'm attending and I contacted the veteran service office there. When I enrolled in my courses, I, they automatically send that information to the VA and my classes are paid for um, through the awesome. GI Bill. And they give me a wow. stipend uh, for books and that stipend is sent straight to my checking account at the beginning of every um, class term. So if there are funds available and they're able to be transferred, you as the spouse can utilize them for whatever degree you're seeking. I'm using it for a tertiary degree, like a, a, a educational, a doctorate in education, but you can use it for any degree if they're available to you. I'm so looking so. forward to calling you doctor, my friend. <laughs> I know you are earning that. I know you are earning that. That's wonderful. Also at that same post, there were counselors there that showed me when I went in all of the different certificated programs and trainings that you can get while you are on the post. And some of them are things that you do online. Some of them are classes that are held in the community that you can get certificates for. And there are various uh, topics that, you know, like photography, I mean, like all mm -hmm. kinds of things. And so when you go in, you should really ask them, what else do you have available if you're the if you're the spouse that really doesn't want to do a college course, for example, but you may want to be certificated in another area. And so there are many agencies that will certify military spouses and um, posts have long lists of all these things that we are not yeah, utilizing. Absolutely. But you can spend time getting these certificates. But you have to go to the Ed Center to find the, out. I think the Education Center is just wildly underutilized, um, and I wonder, Absolutely. I wonder why that is, and how to make that change, how to change that, right? How do we? Right. Is it just um, more word of mouth? Is it you, um, resources it's, like it's word of the mouth. podcast we're doing now, and you know, or a lot of responsibility laying on the shoulders of senior spouses to reach down to new um, incoming spouses and saying, hey, welcome to such and such post. Have you been to the education center yet? Are you volunteering yeah, your time yeah. yet? What do you have, you know, what are you doing right. with your free time where, because there is plenty right. of ways to, to fill that time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as military sisters and brothers, we definitely need to, if you know about something, share yeah. it. We have to do a better job of not just in these forums, but when we're standing outside, when the neighbors pass and you learn about something that day, I always believe that you just share. And, you know, every, every time I move to a new place, one of the first things I do is I go down to the community center at ACS, the ACS building, and I try to, I take my, my phone and I snap pictures of all of the bulletins on the bulletin board, because that is the first way when Sean and I first got married, that's how I found out about different classes that Absolutely. I could get into to get me right. additional graduate school credit. Michelle, how are you utilizing LinkedIn for educational opportunities? Oh, I love LinkedIn. Do you? I, I don't have wow. LinkedIn just yet. LinkedIn, LinkedIn has afforded me some of the most awesome opportunities. 
um, that I would have never gotten gotten an opportunity to get to if I hadn't in, enrolled on LinkedIn. Now I bought a a premium package, but I later learned that the military does provide a package to spouses. But on LinkedIn, once you get one of the premier premium packages there are upwards of thousands of courses that you can take. Some of them are an hour long, some of them are weeks long. But as a result of them, you get a little license or a little um, a little tab on your profile that says that you now have these specific trainings mm. or these specific okay. certificates. Wow. And it makes you even more marketable to um, people who are looking for people like us, which I call are the best type of employee <laughs> to have is a military spouse. You won't find a better employee than us. So as a Navy spouse, what you guys are calling ACS, our equivalent is called Fleet and Family Support Centers. Um, so that would be where on the Navy bases that I would go and start. Do you know what the equivalent is for the Air Force? Um, actually, I do. My friend Lynn Lauer shared this with me. It is the Airman and Family Readiness Center. All right. Incredible cross-reference information <laughs> for, for our, uh, our group. So as today's episode comes to a close, we'd love to thank Michelle for joining us. Michelle, like Linda and I both said, we've got a page full of notes to leave today. Thank you for your wealth of uh, uh, education on education. Thank you. I, thank you for the opportunity. Anytime I get a chance to uh, pour into my military family, because we are definitely and indeed Absolutely. a family, right? Doesn't matter what service, we, we all serve together and serve proudly. So I always want to impart anything I know to my sisters and brothers. So, Thank you so much, Michelle. We'd also like to thank all of our listeners out there as well. Please send us your comments on this podcast or others, and we'd love to hear your suggestions or ideas for future topics. We're always interested in hearing from you. If you've not already done so, I hope you'll subscribe to War Room via our website, which will put updates and content directly in your inbox. And you can also subscribe to A Better Piece on the podcatcher of your choice. And if you would, rate and review the podcast. That will certainly help other people find us. We look forward to having you all again with us soon. And until next time, from the War Room, I'm Faith Bomar with their mission. And I'm Linda Lynn. This has been our story. And that concludes our program. Thank you for listening. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the U.S. Army or the Department of Defense. Let us know what you think. Provide us your feedback, comments, or suggestions through our webpage at warroom.armywarcollege.edu. And have a great day.